Welcome to Shipwreck Sunday, where we investigate disasters at sea and the impact that they have on the world today. My name is Eleanor, and here with me is my co-host, Derek. Hello. Today, we will be discussing the sinking of MTS Oceanos, a Greek cruise ship that sank in the Atlantic Ocean at the tip of South Africa. Before we dive in, we must inform you. This story does include details of a maritime disaster resulting in the loss of a vessel and death that may be disturbing to some audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. Please note, before we begin, that neither Eleanor nor I are mariners or experts in the field of maritime history, but we have done our research and will present the information as we understand it and with accurate nautical terminology. In today's episode, we'll be including the basics of nautical terminology in the description for anyone who needs it. There will be some terms in the French language in which neither Eleanor nor I are fluent, but we will do our best to give accurate pronunciations. Thanks, Derek. Unfortunately for us, today's ship doesn't have a lot of information available about the service history before the sinking, but we will share what we do now. For starters, let's talk about the Atlantic Ocean around the tip of South Africa, where the MTS Oceanos sank. The stretch of the ocean around Cape Agulhas is where the Atlantic and Indian Oceans meet, and it is notoriously treacherous. This part of the ocean is known for its rough seas, heavy swells, and stormy weather. It can also be beautiful and calm, as any part of the ocean can be. But when it gets rocking and rolling, it can be detrimental to ships. Ships can be broken up, capsized, flooded, or a number of other horrific outcomes. And for MTS Oceanos, that was unfortunately the case. Another piece of groundwork we need to lay out before we can really get into the meat and potatoes of the sinking is the cruise industry in the 1990s. In the 1990s, plenty of new ships were launched as well as older vessels being chartered, sold, and bought. These newer ships were bigger, more innovative, and safer than they had ever been. Some of the innovations that found their way aboard cruise ships were high-fog fire suppression systems, GPS, azipod propulsion, and voyage data recorders. For anyone who doesn't know, azipod propulsion is gearless 360 steerable propulsion system where the electric motor is located in a submerged pod outside of the ship's hull. A voyage data recorder, or VDR, is essentially the ship version of an airplane's black box. Safety regulations continued to be improved, especially after the 1994 sinking of the cruise ferry Estonia in the Baltic Sea. If you're interested in that story, we have covered it. For example, as a direct result of that sinking, a major revision to crew training was made, mostly for training in emergency evacuations and crowd and crisis management. Many safety regulations like this one were made in the 1990s, the era when Oceanos found herself in danger. Now let's get into MTS Oceanos. For starters, she was built by the French company Foyer et Chantere de la Gironde in Bordeaux, France, as Jean Laborde in July of 1952. She was the last of four sister ships that were built for the Maisonnerie Maritimes, and all four ships were used on the Marseille to Madagascar to Mauritius route. The ship that would later be known as MTS Oceanos was 153 feet long, had a beam of 66 feet, and a draft of 7 feet, spanning 9 decks. She displaced 14,000 gross tons, being able to carry 550 passengers and 250 crew members. Her maximum speed was clocked at 18.5 knots, and she cruised at a regular service speed of 16 knots. Jeanne Laborde, as she was originally known, would have many different owners and go through numerous name changes in the decades between her building and her sinking. Some of these names were Mike and I, Ancona, and Eastern Princess. 
She was launched on July 12, 1952, and passed her sea trials being completed in June of 1953. In 1976, the Eperotiki Lines Out Greece acquired her, registering her under the name Oceanos, taking advantage of the growing cruise market in the 70s. Other than the numerous sales, there was not any other notable incidences in her career other than being briefly featured in the 1985 movie Sky High and in yet another film in 1986 called Hard Bodies 2 alongside another Eperotiki cruise ship, Apollon XI. Other than this, there's little information about Oceanos and her career, though we should talk about Eperotiki lines. The company had previous accidents in the past before Oceanos that I think are worthy of noting. The Pegasus, the flagship of Eperotiki Lines, was scuttled while she was docked in Venice in June of 1991, the same year the Oceanos sank. No casualties or injuries were listed in this incident, with 40 passengers and 217 crew being evacuated after a small explosion, with Italian firefighters deciding the ship should be flooded and scuttled. They feared that a second explosion could damage nearby Venice, and so the Pegasus was scuttled. The Jupiter sank three years prior in 1988 in the harbor of Perai near Athens, losing two lives of the 580 students that were aboard. A spokeswoman for Eperotiki said that an Italian freighter had collided with the cruise ship and was ultimately found at fault for that incident. If those two incidents weren't bad enough, aboard the Neptune, another liner in the fleet, an American passenger was crushed to death by an unsecured metal fire door off the coast of Crete in 1989. Yet another ship, the Odysseus, took on water off the coast of Portugal in the same year. Eperotiki lines seem to have a history of accidents and negligence in their fleet, and it's alarming that no real legal consequences came to the line before Oceanos. Her captain, Giannis Afranis, had been an officer for 20 years and a seaman for 30 years, and was therefore seen as perfectly capable of manning the vessel. TFC Tours chartered MTS Oceanos from Eperotiki lines, essentially leasing the ship for the South African route between Durban, South Africa, to Cape Town, South Africa, and back with two ports of call in between at Port Elizabeth and East London. Now, as we discussed earlier, these waters are notoriously dangerous, and for this reason, there are not many ships that cruise that area. So, TFC Tours was taking advantage of the lack of competition in this area. However, MTS Oceanos was being mistreated. She was deemed seaworthy, but was barely so. Before her sinking in August of 1991, several passengers aboard the vessel between July 24th and 28th of 1991 claimed that the lower deck of the Oceanos flooded. The owner of Eperotiki Lines disputed this, claiming the ship was safe and seaworthy. In fact, even noting that the Oceanos had been dry docked in Athens for an overhaul from February to May of 1991. Even looking at Oceanos at the time, passengers claimed she looked rusted and worn down, which goes against the statement that she was repaired and refurbished. She showed her age as an older vessel, not being cared for in the way she needed to be. She was decaying and looked unmaintained. On August 3rd, 1991, the vessel was nearing the end of her planned seven-day cruise and preparing for the last leg of the journey back to Durban, South Africa. She was at her last port of call in East London and picked up more passengers, bringing the total number of passengers and crew up to 571. The ship was initially delayed by a bomb threat, which is already a bad sign, and the ship was behind schedule because of this. The Atlantic Ocean off the coast of South Africa at the time was beginning to stir up, with 40 knot winds and 30-foot swells. Oceano set out in this weather, desperately trying to make up lost time as she plunged into the rough seas.
activities. Normally, after leaving port, the musicians aboard MTS Oceanos would host a, quote, sail-away party on deck. However, with the terrible weather swaying the ship to and fro, this party would be held in the Four Seasons Lounge inside, with most passengers choosing to stay in their cabins. Moss Hills and his wife were two performers in this lounge, and Moss Hills later stated that they told the passengers that they would provide the rock and the ship would provide the roll. Remember Moss Hills, as he is a key player later in the story. The stormy seas continued to worsen as the night progressed, and as dinner was being served, the ship was rocking so much that waiters could barely serve their tables without dropping something or stumbling. This is something that ships can run into from time to time, being that the ocean is so unpredictable but most ships can handle this type of weather without problems. However, as you can probably imagine, Oceanos did not handle this weather well. Earlier, there had been repairs done to the waste and water disposal system, but was not completed. A vital ventilation pipe through the watertight aft bulkhead and the non-return valves were not replaced, though they should have been. This meant as waves crashed against the side of the ship, the pipe's shell plating burst open and water slowly but steadily began to fill the compartment. Unfortunately, the compartment was close to the engine room, and around 9.30 p.m., a muffled explosion echoed throughout the ship and MTS Oceanos lost power. As the ship took on more water, the engine room flooded rapidly. Because the engine stopped, Oceanos was a sitting duck in the rocky seas and the ship rolled violently in the waves, sending cutlery sliding off of tables in the lounge and potted plants tipped over. Though this was indeed a problem, oddly enough no alarm or announcement was given that the ship was in trouble. The way the ship was behaving was odd, and Moss Hills went below decks to inspect what was happening. To his surprise, there was water flooding in and the ship appeared to him to be sinking. He was shocked that the captain and crew had not informed everyone of the danger below decks. Instead of the captain informing the ship, the cruise director Lorraine Betts announced that the captain had given the order to abandon ship. While all of this confusion was going on, crew members were seen chucking their luggage into lifeboats and escaping without helping their passengers. Shockingly enough, Captain Avranis was among these men and had to be pulled out of a lifeboat and dragged back on board. Lorraine Betts, Moss Hills, and the other remaining entertainers jumped into action and began loading scared passengers into the lifeboats, capable of holding 90 people each. Since the crew had taken so many boats with barely anyone on board, there was not enough seats for every passenger left aboard. They ran into problems, not being able to start the engines on the lifeboats that were able to be launched. As the ship's starboard list worsened, they were unable to launch any more lifeboats safely. Moss Hills and several passengers went to the bridge searching for a crew to help them, but they sadly found the bridge unmanned. So, Hills took it upon himself to use the ship's radio to call for help until they got a response. All the remaining passengers clambered onto the deck, awaiting rescue. They waited for four hours until the first two rescue ships arrived on the scene the next morning, with MTS Oceanos having drifted just off of Coffee Bay on the Wild Coast. These two ships provided the location of the Oceanos to the South African authorities, with 16 rescue helicopters being deployed immediately. 13 of these helicopters were African Air Force Pumas, nine of which hoisted the remaining 225 passengers off the deck. These helicopters had to take shifts in two simultaneous airlifts, carrying 20 passengers apiece and running these 20 people three miles away back to shore, offloading passengers and refueling before returning for more. It would take a few hours, but with the help of the Dutch cargo ship Nelloyd Moritas, miraculously, every single person was offloaded from the Oceanos. The ship would list sharply to starboard before her stern would rise into the air and sink only 45 minutes after everyone was off the ship. This was all caught on video, including her final moments before sinking into the sea. 
All of the entertainers did their best to not only rescue the passengers, but keep them calm. Moss Hills led them in singing different songs. Entertainment manager Robin Boltman was credited with having gathered the passengers in the lounge and playing music to them to call them. And South African cabaret performer Alvon Collison sang an impromptu repertoire to keep morale up. Alvon Collison was characteristic and managed to sneak in a comical moment, singing American Pie by Don McLean, switching songs just before the line of This'll Be The Day That I Die. You might be asking yourself, where was Captain Avranas? We know that the entertainment staff pulled him out of a lifeboat and forced him to stay on the ship, so what was he doing while they facilitated a rescue effort? Well, Moss Hills later said that he searched for Captain Avranas and found him smoking at the stern. Hills said of Avranas, quote, I think he was in deep, deep shock. No doubt any captain would be in shock if their vessel was sinking, but it is still the master of the ship's responsibility to rescue the passengers. Captain Ravranas even asked a South African Navy diver to be taken to shore in the first helicopter. Robin Boltzmann later told a newspaper, quote, Later in the morning, Captain Avranas even contacted me from shore to ask how things were going. When Captain Avranas was interviewed by reporters on shore, he said this of his duty to stay on ship. Quote, when I order abandon the ship, it doesn't matter what time I leave. Abandon is for everybody. If some people like to stay, they can stay. I don't know about you, dear listeners, but this is pathetic and disgusting to me. When asked why he left first, he said he was running the rescue from the helicopter due to the fact that, quote, the batteries on the crew's walkie-talkies had died, meaning that he had no communications with his crew or with other rescue craft. He would also later claim that he had facilitated the rescue and had been the last to leave. So not only did he show cowardice, but he lied about it too. And don't worry, listeners, he got what he deserved. In 1992, Captain Avranis and five other officers were convicted of negligence by a Greek board of inquiry for fleeing the ship without evacuating the passengers. It's unknown what exactly their punishment was or if Captain Avranis or the other officers returned to a life at sea. The saying has always been that the captain goes down with his ship for a reason. It is their responsibility to send out distress signals and execute an orderly evacuation when the abandoned ship order is called. And luckily for those of us who find themselves on a cruise, 99% of captains and crew will heed this call and take care of business and emergency situations. Moss Hills would be part of yet another rescue effort on another sinking ship in 1994, the MS Achille Laro of Star Laro. And as of 2022, Moss Hills became a cruise director himself with Silver Sea Cruises, a line he has worked with for the last seven years. I can't think of a more deserving person. As for the wreck of MTS Oceanos, the wreck lies between 302 feet and 318 feet below the surface, roughly 3.1 miles offshore by the wild coast. Photographs of the wreck in 2002 show that the bridge of the ship has collapsed. Divers have visited the wreck, but the strong currents make the dive extremely difficult and dangerous. Dear listeners, unless you are an experienced dive master, please do not attempt to dive the wreck of the MTS Oceanos. It is not worth losing your life over. This episode hopes to commemorate the incredible rescue effort flawlessly executed by the entertainment staff of MTS Oceanos, and to recognize them for their bravery, selflessness, and spirit. Because of their efforts, MTS Oceanos is remembered as one of the most incredible rescues at sea, instead of a deadly disaster. Please support Moss Hills and check out his music. You can find an original composition about his life at sea called Yearning to Sail here on YouTube. 
Thank you for tuning in to Shipwreck Sunday. If you liked this episode and are listening on YouTube, please give us a like, leave us a comment, and subscribe to our channel. If you liked this episode and are listening on Spotify, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, or another podcast service, please subscribe for more content and leave us a five-star review as it does help us reach more listeners like you. Check out Speed Force Media on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at Shipwreck Sunday. Tune in next Sunday for the story of RMS Empress of Britain, an ocean liner that sank in World War II. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.